0: Good morning. Great to see you guys today. There's a couple of things I wanted to try and remember to mention before we get into the Word, but you can start turning to Psalm 24. It's easy to remember we're in 2024. We're in Psalm 24, starting our new year together. Um, I know this might be hard for you to believe, given that you know usually Sunday mornings don't have the shortest messages you've ever heard in your life, but I don't always get to everything that I would like to say on a Sunday morning. Quite often, I do not. So we're, we're going to experiment with something. Sometimes uh, something that get ed- gets edited on the fly, you, you think you heard something in there and it just got cut, chopped into two sentences. Uh, and sometimes it's not even in the notes, uh, for instance, today. But we're, we're going to experiment with a little uh, follow-up to Sunday meetings called Sunday Leftovers. And... So we're just gonna, we got some stuff in the fridge that's gonna be available to you throughout the week. We're gonna send something to you early in the week for you just to choose about a five minute little blurb. Hopefully it'll be a helpful devotional item, something for you to spend a little extra time with the Lord and see what he shows you further in this. All right, so you guys know we've started the year playing a game, right? And whether or not anybody explained it to you, that's kind of what life is like, right? That sometimes you get presented this little box called here's your life Go live it, and it's got turns, it's got a goal. We talked about the goal last week, right? It's got, it's got some rules and some boundaries. It's got little things that you need to know when you play the game, right? And so I want to highlight some of those in the, in the next few weeks. So this is, today what we're doing today, I'm, I'm calling this the ABCs of, of the game Yashab, and Yashab is the word of dwelling in God's creation, so the ABCs we're going to walk through, but the, the, the whole idea of getting something so you can play the game this week, right? This is, so you, can, you can think of Sunday morning gathering as kind of like passing go and collecting 200. Right? Everybody remembers that? How many of you guys remember you going around the board and it's kind of like a life and death moment to pass go? It's like, cause you're like broke, bankrupt and I, you know, but, but I'm going to pass go, I'm, I'm going to pass, I'm going to get 200, right? Whatever, whatever that is, whatever strategy game you like to play. If it wasn't Monopoly, you played Risk. You guys remember Risk when you're about to be wiped out in this reinforcement stage and you get to count up all your stuff and get some reinforcements and stay in the game. Uh, or maybe you're one of the online guys who loves to go on and play some kind of shooting game, right? And there's certain things you do in that game that if you don't go get a bazooka, you're not going to make it, right? All right, so can I just point out to you that you're playing the game this week. Uh, Some of you guys might need a bazooka this week. What's coming up this week, you might need a bazooka. You're definitely going to need to get your 200 and take it with you into this week, right? you're about to get some of that through listening to the word of god preached. And and really our 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 big show here on a Sunday morning isn't anything original. All we're trying to do is just put on display what's here. So really this is this is what this is the go you're passing. And really every time you pick up god's word, you have an opportunity to load up on something from here that's going to give you what you need to do this week? Some strategy, some insights that you need to go and do this week. Or that's what we're after here. But could I just do this? Let's do something just a little bit different for a moment. Because I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to embarrass anybody. But if I were to ask you, hey, how did you pray about this moment this week? How'd you pray about the exchange you're about to have with the Word of God? Did you reserve some time for that? I mean, I know when I'm playing Monopoly, it's like I'm thinking how I'm going to spend that 200 right? I'm on that back stretch, and I'm rolling the dice, and I'm thinking, oh, when I pass, go, and I get 200 I could buy this. Did you think about that before you came this morning? It's like, hey, when I, when I encounter God's word this morning, I—all right, just think in this category. What, what are you needing right now Spiritually? Can you? I mean, honest with yourself. Nobody has to fill anything out. I'm not going to ask you to share it. What do you? What do you need? Are, are you in a place that you're tired of being in? That you've been there for too long? It's become something that's characterizing your life. But you just you just come here week in and week out with no sense of God. I know, you know one word from you, and things change. Are you here believing that you could hear something? It's got nothing to do with how great a pulpit is. It's, it's God's word ramping up and hitting our lives and bumping into us. All right, so can I just get us to do this? Let's just, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Just, just be quiet before the Lord. Lord, I'm among the family here i am going to speak but i am in need of hearing lord, what do i need this morning that your word is going to speak into what what insight what awakening what conviction what clarity what impartation of faith and courage do i need lord I I may need to face a situation that needs a bazooka this week. doesn't need the little handgun that I've been walking through life with. It needs something to dislodge the power and the resistance and that issue that's in my world and in my life. Lord, I just sang that song, Lord, one word from you. And things change. So Lord, teach me about that this morning. Help me understand this one word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's where we're gonna go with our ABCs. And quite honestly, I could do the whole alphabet, right? Because we're just talking about doing life and the Bible's about doing life. So we could go A and then B and then C and then D, but we would be in this series for a very, very long time. So we're just gonna do A, B, and C, right? And then that'll take us to the end of our series that we started the year with. That word A, I want to start with, I need to know something about the authority of God when I go to do life. When I live in the spaces of my life this week, when I do relationships and make decisions and confront the spiritual forces that are here and the human forces that are here and my own issues and weaknesses, I need to be mindful of a big capital A authority. There is authority in this world. And I'm going to focus on two pieces of that authority. This morning, we're going to talk about providential authority. Next week, we're going to talk about personal authority. But here's where we get that from Psalm 24, verse 1. God says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, right? So you can't name anything to me that's not His. Right now, if your mind is racing, going, "Well, that's not his, or that's not his, or that doesn't look like it's his." Anything got something in your life that doesn't look like God's paying attention to that? God says, "The fullness thereof, it's mine." The world and those who yashab, who dwell therein, for He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. All right, so when you go to play the game this week, <clears throat> it's your turn, 2024, and you do your turn this week, what does that mean to you? When you go to bump into anything, when you go to put your hands to something, when you make a decision about something in your life, what does it mean for me to be mindful that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? All right, We're not the first guys to play the game. Right? So there's lots of Bible characters who they played the game too. They were dwelling in God's creation. So we're going to visit a few of them. And I'm going to try to do this quickly. But just to learn some lessons from them. How does God bring up the fact that, hey, I just want to remind you. Because there's moments where he does this throughout the, the word. I just want to remind you that everything's mine. The earth is mine. He brings that up over and over and over again. It's not just in Psalm 24, right? For instance, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that's in it. Right, now do, you, do you know what's happening in Deuteronomy? All right, this is, you want know, to be good Bible students. That's why we study the Bible so that moments like this you're not going, Deuteronomy, I, I think that's in the Old Testament. Ah, if that's where you're at, you need to be doing some serious study, right? So, Deuteronomy is this moment where God is set. People in front of the, can I call it this? The land of opportunity. The promised land is that they're pulled up. They're on the edge of the promised land. It's like a big doorway here and there's a huddle. Deuteronomy, all of Deuteronomy is a huddle. It's God saying, okay, hey, before we go into the land, huddle up, huddle up, everybody. I got. Let me just tell you some things. Let me remind you how you got here. And it is a massive exercise of the providential God's authority. Over his people, over his creation, over where he's sending them. You remember how they get here? right? God's already been in charge of their lives. They they were in Egypt under enslavement of the most powerful government and ruler in the world. And God came along and said one word. And then he divided it up into ten plagues. And basically that one word was, let my people go. And guess what? They end up letting them go, right? right? But did you notice this? That God, we'll pick up this a little bit more next week. God, I don't want to say he has the audacity, but let's say that. He has the audacity to say, hey, all you millions of people, you come over here to Mount Sinai. What? What? Well, so Who do you think he is, right? I mean, we, we love this. He's rescuing them out of Egypt, but, he, but they've got to cross a wilderness, There's no McDonald's on the way. Well, How do we feed everybody? How do we do this? God is about to call them to do something that's risky and scary. Resist Egypt. That's risky. And come into the wilderness where you've got no provision for yourselves. And walk across the desert to the place where I'm calling you. Really? Who's he think he is? Well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then they stand at this doorway of a land flowing with milk and honey. There's cisterns that they didn't dig. And cities that they didn't build. And vineyards that they didn't plant. And all this good life. What if that's 2024 for you? What if God in his work in your life has said, you know what 2024 is going to be like for you? A land of opportunity. All kinds of things are coming. Hey, before, before you turn this into a prosperity message, just remember I just told you. You know what preceded the land of opportunity? a wilderness, which was just as much the will of God as the promised land is. We follow God wherever he leads us and he's leading them into this great doorway of opportunity. All right, so maybe 2024 is a land of opportunity for you like it was for these people. Or maybe 2024 is gonna be filled with stuff that when you go to interpret it, you're gonna see it as an unfair year. This year was unfair to me. Therefore, God was unfair to me. You ever feel like your life is unfair? Come on. What about a guy named Job? He played the game. And one year it was his turn and his whole world got turned upside down. He went from an abundance of blessing and good things and celebration and and more wealth than he could probably spend in a lifetime to wow, this feels unfair. Job 41, verse 11. God says, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole of heaven is mine. What an interesting moment to bring up ownership. Job is in the midst of describing an an event in his life where the wheels have come off of his life in the most horrible, tear-jerking, impossible-to-explain way, right? He says this in Job 6. Job says, Oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances. So, but time we get to chapter 41, there's been a lot of dealing with, this is really bad. My life is really, really, really in a bad place. And Job has a little bit of an opportunity for something that we are prolific at. right? Welcome to America, we're really good at this. It's called entitlement. How many, how many of you think you deserve something? Have you noticed how the way the word deserve gets used? Okay, I'm not going to bet my house on this, but somebody's going to win today the NFL playoffs. They're going to describe to you the suffering of their existence. <laughs> Nobody believed we could do it. Nobody this. We worked through all of our difficulties. It was a hard season, blah, 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 blah. And we deserve this. Watch. It's going to happen. I mean, I bought a box of donuts recently. On the donut box, you deserve a donut. (laughs) You know, I'm a pastor, read a lot of theology books. I'm very aware of what I deserve. I deserve the judgment of a holy God and eternal punishment away from his presence. I don't deserve a donut. (laughs) I know that's kind of stupid, but hey, it is the world we live in. At some point, you're going to feel like this isn't fair. 2024 could be a year where you're going to say those words. This is not fair. Um, When we hit that moment, what does God bring up in that moment? Because life has gone sideways and bad things are happening and you're hurting. can, Can anybody... Agree with me. Job is hurting. Is it legitimate hurting? Is he just like somebody's like, "Get over it, Job, please. I mean, come on what are you? You got caught in traffic, really? You were five minutes late, and you're complaining this is not fair. Now this man is devastated. Every category of his life that can mean anything and should mean something to him. These are not idolatrous, horrible things. These are his children. His health. His wife is watching front row seats to their whole life fall apart. She's losing hope. This stuff means something to this guy. And what does God say to the man who could say more than any of us? This is not fair. What on earth is going on? Well, Listen to what God says. Job 38, verse 1. When the Lord answered Job out of the world when he said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I'll question you. You make it known to me. Any of you who believe you have the gift of sarcasm, this is your biblical reference point to defend that. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth, right? This is God explaining. The earth is mine. The fullness thereof. I established it. I formed it. Where were you when I did that, Job? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Can, can you go with me here? Man with all of his technology, which Job certainly did not have. They still can't measure the universe. Right? Right? Because God did that. On what are its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. At the moment when God simply said a sentence. Let there be. And everything started to hop and dance and do its thing. Job. I know you feel like this is unfair. I know you don't understand what's going on. This is how God responds to that. And then he lists what I'm gonna call his providential authority, his right to interact with his creation at any moment in exactly the way that he sees fit. That's what providential creation or authority lets him do. Job 38 verse eight. Hey, Job, who, sh- who shut the sea in with doors? You know anything about that? Have any idea why the sea sits where it was put? Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began? When you got up this morning, did you, did you think morning just happened? Well, come on, Keith, I've read, I've read some books and I've been to school a little bit. The earth turns and the universe and the sun and all that. And God turns on and says, no, no, no. All that happens because I command it to happen. It doesn't just happen. Science can't explain how things just happen. There is a cause and an effect in science, right? I'm an engineer. You have to be able to explain the cause and the effect. God says, I'm the cause. I do these things. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? When it snows all over the place, Job, have you ever thought... Where's that stuff kept before it falls here? Has the rain a father? From whose womb did the ice come forth? Did did you know that God's responsible for things freezing? Did you know the rain doesn't just happen like it has its own father that God just turns his back on it; it just happens? God says, "I'm, I'm in the rain when the rain comes down. Verse 36, he says, Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Right. This is timely, right? Because about this moment, after hearing about the rain and the snow, all the meteorologists in the room are going, I can explain where the rain comes from, Keith. Right, there's this thing called the evaporation cycle. You know, heat and, and the moisture lifts into the air and then it settles in clouds and then it gathers in the weight of that and it falls and if it's cold enough, it snows. I get where that comes from, Keith. Well, do you get why you get that? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Your ability to even form those sentences has come from God. Exercising his right over his creation because the earth is the Lord's, every bit of it. Oh, you you do understand that our universe didn't borrow the rain concept from another universe, right? So when you turn around and say, well, you know the evaporation, you know what evaporation is, right? I mean, it's when the water turns into a gas and it proceeds upward. Can I just ask you, why on earth does water behave that way? well, you know, the universe before us, that's the way it behaved and so in Our universe, it has to behave that way. Why doesn't it do the opposite of that? Why doesn't it do something different? See, science simply observes what God has done. Water didn't have to do that. God caused it to do that. Every molecule is under his design. Who provides the raven its prey? I just think about all the bugs in your yard right now eating stuff, right? I mean, digging your grass a little bit. I had chinch bugs last year and they ate all my lawn. They ate my whole lawn almost. God is involved in the birds eating stuff out there. Every day, you think that's just happening. God is superintending every moment. Is, hey, is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night? At your manger, will you depend on him because his strength is great? And will you leave to him your labor? You know all those domesticated animals that you have? The little puppy at your house? How come he doesn't bite you like a snake? How come you could turn him into a pet? Do you get God turns around and says, I'm the one who domesticated your animals. The reason why you can harness that or use that is because of me, God says. So in our world, there's this authority from God that's operating where he is doing exactly what he wants to do. He is an on-site landlord, right? Listen to this thought from Clyde Kilby. He says, I shall bet my life on the assumption that this world is not idiotic, neither run by an absentee landlord, but that today, listen to this, this very day, are you thinking this way? This very day, some stroke is being added to the cosmic canvas that in due course I shall understand with joy as a stroke made by the architect who calls himself Alpha and Omega. Every detail of this creation, of every person of which you and I are part, the Alpha and the Omega, the God who says, it's all mine. Everything here, he is superintending everything. He is not the God of deism who spun creation into existence, turned his back and went somewhere else to do something else. And you and I are just left to interpret our lives through natural forces, consequences, and decisions that are made by human beings. That's all that's going on here, right? But listen, at some point, it becomes very tempting to distance God from his creation. You know when that moment is? It's when bad stuff happens. It's kind of a weird thing. I think our intentions are sort of good. They're just biblically not informed. So when bad stuff happens, I would like to think that God somehow isn't in that moment. Because it was bad, man. It was painful. I'd like to think that God's really kind of innocent. So if if I'm really bad in my theology, I'm going to say something like, well, God didn't even know that was going to happen. And there are. Churches out there who teach exactly that. It's an attempt to keep God from looking like a bad guy. But you can't read your Bible and come up with a God who is innocent in these categories. Right? If, you, if you decide to go bowling tonight, it's up to you, and you drop the bowling ball on your foot and it breaks your big toe and you have to go to the hospital, you just heard God describe creation. Can you tell me why that bowling ball didn't float in midair when you dropped it? Because God created gravity. And God not only created gravity, he sustains gravity, which means he could unsustain it at any moment. Which means he could have unsustained it right as the bowling ball left your hand. He could have unsustained gravity and it just hung in midair for you to grab it and he did not. So in some way, it's God a little bit responsible for that bowling ball falling on your foot. Hey, Job, you know where I keep the snow and the rain? So, So the snow and the rain are God's responsibility? How do you feel about that when there's a blizzard or a hurricane or a flood and people die? from it. Is is your God still innocent in that thought? Is he so removed from his creation that he wasn't in that moment? It's tempting to kind of think that way, isn't it? The problem is your life is filled with difficult events. And if every time you face difficulty, you push God at a distance, you get to do that stuff on your own. You get to figure out how do I navigate this moment that surely God didn't even know anything about or he wasn't involved in it. Or, hey, Keith, you know, there's that thing called human free will and consequences. Hey, I believe human will. I don't believe human will is free by any means. But I do believe human will is influential in the world that we live in. But so is this. And I don't get to explain one at the expense of the other one. So there is this activity of God in creation that you have to pull it into the moments because God shows up. What's going on in Job's life? You you know that Job doesn't know what's going on in his life, right? You and I, we get to read the, the cheat notes, the perspective Job doesn't have on his life. You get to read Job chapter one and find out how did all of this stuff go? 2023 was great for Job. 2024 was, oh my gosh, horrible in the tank. How did that happen? Well, you know, there's this thing in this world called free will and the consequences of sin. Anybody going to pull that out and explain Job to me that way? Would you do that? Would you go to Job and explain it to him that way? That you see, God's really not involved in your situation, Job. What's going on here is, you know, people make decisions and sometimes there's consequences. And I believe that people do make decisions and there are consequences. That exists right alongside. How did Job end up in this moment? Well, God says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the world and those who dwell therein. I establish it. I found it. And he's still involved with it. I know this is a little bit mysterious, but this is how God explains himself to us. So he doesn't come alongside Job in his moment of grief and distance himself. No, he shows up all the more and say, hey, Job, I don't know if you realize, but I'm in the details of life. That's what God says to Job when he gets a chance to explain, why is my life feeling like all the wheels have come off of it? Let me give you another moment. The year, I don't know, 700 and something BC, Isaiah, the prophet, speaks to the nation of Israel. Their year is about to become a horrible year. There are going to, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be war. There's going to be open hostilities in the land in which they live. People are going to lose their jobs. The economy is going to collapse. People you know are going to die. All in this year. In an event where Assyria comes against the northern tribes of Israel. And the prophet Isaiah is going to play pastor on Sunday morning. And he's going to explain this. Can I just say it this way too? He's going to explain this to a bunch of regular Joes who are less educated than everybody in this room. And the reason I'm saying that to us is because what I'm about to say and what I've already said is like, dude, this is way over my head. All right. You know this if you've come to church for very long. We're we're not a bunch of guys who just want to teach you how to have a better week. How all your dreams can come true. We want you to learn about God and be both amazed and confused by him as you take a bite and you see who he is. But but, can I, but I know when you start dealing with these kinds of biblical issues, one, they're biblical issues. Two, they're all over the Bible. And Pastor Isaiah sat with a bunch of people, went from town to town and proclaimed these things from town to town to people who couldn't read. Who had never taken a history class, never taken a philosophy class. They didn't have any books on their shelves. They may have seen the scrolls that got read in the temple. Maybe. And he's going to stand up and say this stuff to them. So, can I just say, if this feels like, hey, this is over my head, uh, my recommendation to you is sit up taller. You need to know this, because when you go to do life this year, if this is not the God who's traveling with you into your confusing circumstances, you are going to be in serious trouble. This God, the one who has providential authority over everything, is the God going with you. All right, so this is not for the seminarians. This is for anybody getting married this year. This is for anybody paying their bills and you're a little bit behind. This is fun. You might who get a diagnosis this year of their body is doing something they didn't anticipate. That's what these passages are for. Isaiah 45, verse five. I am the Lord and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you though you do not know me specifically this moment is God speaking to a, a powerful ruler in the world named Cyrus. Who doesn't even know God, but he's about to do exactly what God wants him to do on behalf of his people. Did you know God could show up in your world this year exactly like that? Somebody that doesn't even know God or acknowledge God could be used by God to step into your situation and make it different. That's what he's about to do. But it also informs me a little bit. It informs me that God is doing stuff that I don't know he's doing. Can you go with me on that one? That's helpful, isn't it? That even though I don't know God's doing anything in the year 2024 for me, he is. Because that's how he exercises his authority. God does things that you don't give him permission to do. Does that make sense? God decides things for your life that you and I didn't figure out. We didn't counsel him. We didn't tell him to do it. He did it because he has the right to do it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. My life is his. He has some rights here. Then in verse six, Isaiah 45, he says that, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the West, that there's none besides me. I I am the Lord. There is no other. What you think is going on around here? I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. Does it actually say that? Do you actually want to know this? I am the Lord who does all these things. All right, whether I want to know this or not, God told Isaiah, explain this moment to these people this way. What's going on in their world? Their economy has falling apart. Nobody can find a job. There's foreign rulers beginning to rule over them. There's corruption in the government everywhere. America would be a picnic compared to this day. As much as you might think our country's fallen falling apart and it's this and it's that. Oh, you have no idea. 720-something BC, this is a horrible moment. And God doesn't show up and act like, yeah, because I'm not involved. He shows up and says, hey, there's only one God. and Can I just tell you, I'm the one. I'm involved in managing my universe. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. That sounds so contradictory, doesn't it? But you know what I need to know when I go to do 2024 this year? I need to know that God is equally engaged when it's light and when it's dark. Not that somehow when it becomes dark or, or in the well-being, I totally know God is there. God's all over this. God's involved in this because it's blessing me. Look at my bank account. Look at my job. Look at my health. God's all over this. But then there's a day where calamity hits and there's losses. And things are not going in the direction that I thought. And my health is not where I thought it was going to be. Do you tend to think God's not exactly the same being as he was when it was this way? Do you intend to interpret your own life as though God is with me and against me based on these kinds? God is doing stuff on a scale that's a little bigger than just my existence. Look at verse 8. Shower. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Do you want to know why there's an ounce of observable righteousness in this world? I, the Lord, have created it, God says. I did that. And I called for the earth to sprout and bring forth righteousness and salvation. Do, do you know why you are saved? Do you just think that happens? Does the rain have a father? Where'd your salvation come from? How did you ever respond to God with a sense of faith and repentance and belief and enlightenment? How did did that ever happen? You do that? The person who led you to Christ did that? Some preacher in a pulpit did that? How did this come to you? Miraculously, the God of the universe stepped in. And he exercised his authority over his creation. That's how you got here. Can I I give you a slow motion replay by the Apostle Paul? After further review, this is kind of like an NFL moment. Let's go up to the booth. Paul, what did you see? First Corinthians chapter one, this is God's slow motion replay of your salvation and mine. Verse 26, Paul says, hey, well, first of all, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. In other words, however salvation found you, it wasn't because you were smart and you figured it out. That's not how it came to you. But God, but God, God exercised providential authority and he chose. He chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the wise the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God runs his universe using his authority in such a way that when you're done, you can't take credit and boast in things. You have to acknowledge God did that, and God did that. And God did that. Verse 30. Because of him. Because of him. You are in Christ Jesus. Who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness. And sanctification. And redemption. How did salvation. Show up. In the landscape of my life. Right. How many of us, right, okay, you have well-being, right? Isaiah speaks of well-being, and then he speaks of calamity. Why is it when well-being is going on, we're not scratching our head going, Lord, why? Why? God, why did you let this happen? But as soon as calamity hits, that's our tone, right? Why? And then God stands and says, can I I just get this clear with you? There's nothing different about me in either one of those moments. So when you want to ask why, please ask it on this side of the life too. So please stand this morning with me and and, and rehearse your salvation. And the righteousness that has come to you. By his doing, you are righteous. You are righteous. Righteous, You stand as right as you will ever stand in the history of all eternity. And I should be sitting here this morning going, why? Why, why did you let that happen, God? Why did you move toward me with whatever design and thought you have to make sure I... I am righteous with you and I am saved, right? Well being doesn't get asked any questions, only calamity. Right, when you go to do life, make sure you remember God is in both of those places. Verse 9 Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. But can you read this not too fast and hear the ridiculousness of it? Does the clay say to him who forms it? What are you doing, man? Or your work has no handles. You're clay. You're, you're a pot. Really? you? Wait, wait, let me get this right. You're a pot who talks back to the creator. Because you don't like that your pot doesn't have handles on it? Did you just do that? (laughs) That's the feel of this verse. Like, you do recognize how out of your league you are. You're a pot asking questions in categories pots don't know anything about. (laughs) I've always told the elders I wanted to change the slogan of Lakeview from growing together to the glory of God to... Come, let God put you in your place. (laughs) It sounds really warm and like, oh, yeah. You know, because a lot of churches sound that way, you know, like, oh, you've got a destiny and you're this and you come let God put you in your place. Yeah, man, I want to go to that church. And you come in and you find out, okay, you're a pot (laughs) and and you're a pot with no handles and you're a little pot and you're a pot with a bad color that nobody thinks is stylish today. and, And you're. But how many of us ventured out into 2023 and part of our beef with life is we, we don't like the pot that we are. And unfortunately, we have Instagram. There's a lot of better looking pots out there. <laughs> pots who don't have my problem. Look at how much dirt you can put in that pot. Good night. I mean, honey, have you seen this? So and so's have got a pot like giant pot. I mean, you could fill this thing up over and over. You look at my pot. Look, look at that. That's my little pot life right there. What the heck was God thinking? What? How come I don't have that pot? My pot doesn't even have handles on. How do you even pick this pot up? I mean, come on. Right, this is this is a conversation we're having with God. Because you're not as pretty. You're not as tall. You're not as smart. You're not as popular. You don't use words the way somebody else does. You don't have these gifts, you have these. Right? When you go to feel sorry for yourself, right? If I were to say, hey, in 2023, did you ever use the word unfair? Right, where do I get that reference from? Well, I've looked at something else of God's creation and I've looked at something else of God's creation and I've said, this should be different. Well, why do I think that? Well, because I'm in charge of designing my life. Oh, I don't know if you knew when you go to play the game, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who taught you that you got to self determine to be whatever it was that you liked? Oh, I don't know. Everything I've ever heard in America, the land of great independence where I get to figure out what I need to be and who I get to be, and anybody who's against me power monger people among you victimizing people like me keeping me from being who I want to be how dare you I'm outraged right why does the world sound the way it does because it it just doesn't get that it's a pot in the hands of a providential God who has the right over everything in his creation to do exactly what he wants with it and that's not a ripoff If being a pot this big brings glory to God in all the ways that God designed for a pot being this big to be versus a pot being this big with handles on it. And this God allows me to participate in his glory is a privilege and the highest calling of my life because the God of the universe decided I don't want you to be like this. I want you to be like this. And rather than celebrating that, I'm protesting it. And I'm mad and I hate God over it. Verse 10. Woe to him who says to a father, What are you what are you doing? What are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, the one who formed him. Ask me things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? Are you you going to tell me what to do with my creation? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. This is at a moment when life is falling apart in Israel. And this is what God does. Can I just say what God doesn't do right here? He doesn't bust out an explanation of, well, I mean, you know, man has a free will, right? You know that, right? And there's consequences to decisions, right? You know that, right? When their life is in the wind, God steps in and says, I'm the potter. I'm at work. I own everything. Be careful how you use your theology, right? This is what providential authority is. God's Sovereign lordship rights, the rights of the creator, the possessor of heaven and earth, the right to exercise his power, the rights of the potter over the clay, the right to define, to ordain and command, the right to delegate authority to creatures, which is going to get served up in some leftovers because I don't have time for that. But when you bump into the God of authority, what do you do when you bump into the authority he's tucked in different places? Do you know the devil has some authority in this world? Do you know disciples are given some authority in this world? Do you know your parents have authority in your life? you know pastors have authority? Do you know the government has authority in this world? God, the providential ruler of the universe, took his rulership and tucked it in all these places. So be careful what you do with that word Authority. And be careful how you like it or don't like it. All right. I mean, let me interact with just some personal thought here to do this at record speed. Let me let you listen to this without any posture of reaching for your keys or thinking, "Okay, okay, yeah, okay." I'm listening to some word, and no, no, I want to I, I want to put your life in the presence of God today. So I, I want you to not be in a hurry. I want you to listen to your own story in the midst of a story that is in scripture and it's a story about authority. You're going to think it's about something else but it's very much a story about authority. I'm going to introduce you to Pablo the paralytic. That's his label. The thing over his life, what characterized him, what describes him, the needs that he has, the everyday experiences of his life, Pablo the paralytic. Everything about him is touched by that word. Matthew 9. Verse 1, getting to a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. All right, I'll come back to the authority piece. But we know what sticks out for me in this story is the way the story makes sure and highlights authority. Because what's in this verse is pretty stinking amazing, isn't it? But it's almost like the verse, the passage comes out and says, hey, hey, don't get lost in the weeds here. This is about authority. That's what this advertises to us. But it's got a lot of living space in it, right? There's a paralytic in this story. There's a person who, whose life is being acted upon by invisible forces that are controlling him. Can I let that be the definition of a paralytic? Now, we know... He's got some nerve ending issues and not firing correctly, and his tendons and his muscles aren't doing X, Y, or Z. But the condition of this person that Jesus is going to touch with a word is that there are invisible forces acting on this person's life that are controlling him. What he does on a daily basis is being determined by that label paralytic. You are a paralytic. Your friends had to pick you up and carry you here. They had to feed you and put clothes on you before you came. Every day of your life, this condition speaks and touches you. Remember Job, remember Isaiah. There's a little bit of us that says, oh, okay, well, explain that one, Keith. Because what a difficult life, right? Why is this man paralyzed? How are you going to explain that to him? You're going to bust out, well, you know, there's this thing called free will, and then there's the consequences of sin. Right? Listen, there, there is some influence on sin in our experience in this world. There are consequences to sin that we experience in this world. And when when another person in a with a label blind was set in front of the disciples and they interacted with him, they asked a question out of this understanding. They asked Jesus, Jesus, this, this man's been born blind. Who who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? You remember that story? How did Jesus respond? He said, "Neither one of those is the right understanding. But this exists so that the works of God may be seen." How many of us just don't like the circumstances of our lives? And unfortunately, our our uneducated, unbiblical, overstretched understanding of sin pulls, you know, like like your life condition right now can be explained by what your free will and the consequences of your sin, or maybe somebody else's. Can I just say your will is involved in what you're experiencing in your life and the consequences of sin are involved in what you're experiencing in your life. But if that's all you do 2024 with, good luck. Jesus turns around and says, hey, you know why these conditions exist? For the glory of God to be seen. And that's what ends up happening with that person, right? Do you remember that moment in the Old Testament story? Joseph has been betrayed by his family. He's been abandoned by them. He's been rejected. Let let all that build up in your bloodstream for a second. His own brother's whom he would have done life with, have treated him horribly and rejected him and mocked him, special treatment little boy, yeah, and then they sell him off into slavery and into a horrible life in Egypt that God had a purpose for, didn't he? Now, they don't know. It's not like they're like, hey, let's sell him off to slavery. He'll rule the world one day. They're not thinking that. They're just trying to make a buck and trying to get rid of the little kid that they're jealous of. And he's sold into Egypt. Egypt. And years later, the whole story gets explained to the brothers. And they're, they're now aware, right? You're the number two dude in the world. I think you could dust us at any moment if you decide to. Please don't do that to us. <laughs> and he turns around and he explains his life to them. He is explaining the game of dwelling on God's earth to his brothers. When he turns around and says, you, you guys meant this for evil. But God meant it for good. You know what that word meant means? It's a word for design. A word for devising something. It's the word that describes weaving things together. So it's not as though you would be wrong to interpret God's involvement in Joseph's life. Like somehow God was on vacation in the beginning of the story. When all the darkness and calamity was happening. And then God showed up when the well-being started to happen. You would be totally wrong in interpreting that that way. God meant the whole thing for a purpose that he had. The whole thing. God meant that their jealousy and sin against their brother for a purpose. Does that twist you up or what? Could God be involved For redemptive, glorious reasons, even in the stuff that somebody is mistreating you about right now? If I read my Bible, yes. Yes, he could. He could very much be that. So God is in this paralytic. But but here's where I want to apply this to to us this morning. You, You got some labels on your life. Maybe it's not paralyzed, but maybe your life feels a bit paralyzed. Maybe there's something going on in you that is controlling, limiting, restraining your life. Your life, you could be doing this, could be doing that, but like like this paralytic, you're not. There's some kind of label on you that you wish wasn't there. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's an experience that you had from the past, the way you were raised, the harm that took place. Words like trauma and abuse are the words over you. If you know, Maybe we just change the names a little bit. These friends and family members brought not Pablo the paralytic, but Keith the cripple to Jesus. And he, he could walk on the outside, but on the inside, that dude's a mess because you don't understand his story. See, he's been through this and he's been through, if you knew his mom and dad, then you would know this and you would know that and you would know this. And there are invisible forces all over this room that are controlling the freedom of many, many lives here today. But can I introduce you to the providential authority of God? Because one word, one word from you And things change on his authority. And if you don't believe that, and your friends don't believe that, you don't even bring the paralytic to this Jesus. You don't come pursuing him. Because if he can't do anything about it, and, and you know him doing anything about it, it's all conditioned on you doing this, and that one doing that, and that one doing... No, no, no! It was conditioned on one thing. A word from Jesus. It changes. Everything, whenever he decides to change everything. But how do I get this, right? I don't have time to go through this. Seth, you can start coming back up here. This is a story about authority. Did you notice this? You know, if, if I'm, I'm like one of those idiots that if I went to a museum, uh, if I went to the Louvre, I, didn't, I wouldn't know what was $100 and what was $100 million dollars. I'd just be walking through there like an idiot, going, oh, look at this. Huh. Look at that. I would need the curator to say, Keith, can I just point something out to you? That, yeah, that's pretty cool. You're right. That's why we've got it in the museum here. But this is unique. All right, that's what this story does. You got a, you got a guy whose whole life has been paralyzed. He's in the weeds. This is a horrible experience all of his life. And from now on, that's not going to be his experience you got this thing called a miracle that just took place, right? Somebody just spoke. That's all you did. No injection, no special medication here. Just speak. And you you got that. Your words did that. Hey, let's walk away going, wow, did you see that? They walk away. What? Amazed at God had given authority to men to do that. It's the authority that got their attention. And the verses I put in your outline, if you go back and read them, they're all observations of people watching Jesus teach. And it wasn't like, hey, never heard anybody say something like that before. No, 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 it was with authority. They were astonished at his authority when he taught. And then he cast out demons. And even the invisible demonic world, it did whatever he said. And it says they were amazed at his authority. Not that the demon left. They were amazed that he had the authority to do these things. Remember Jesus having that conversation with the, the Roman guy who says, Hey, Jesus, could you, my, my servant is sick. Could could you heal him? And Jesus is planning to come with him to the house. And the man says, No, no, no. That's not, that's not necessary. I too am a man under authority. Exousia. That word means the right to exercise power. The Roman soldier says... I'm one of those people and I tell people to go and do things and they do them. So Jesus, all you got to do, because you're a man under authority, all you got to do is say the word, my servant will be fine. And the Bible says, and Jesus marbled, marbled over what? That that man recognized authority. I'm not sure we recognize the word authority properly. And as a result, we're going to do 2024 not astonished, not amazed, not marveling that God can, whenever he wants and chooses, exercise his power with authority over our lives. That's what this passage is about. But I don't know, maybe we're starting 2024 and we haven't given an ounce of thought to the authority of God that goes with us into our lives. So let let me do this with us this morning. I want you to shop for a moment for your label. Maybe you're not Pablo the paralytic. But there are things that have happened in your life, things that have happened to you, things that have always been in your personality, in your past. Something that came in from a traumatic event that took place when you were eight or 12 or 15. Something that you began to do in your life that became a habit, that became a controlling habit. Right, there are some people in the room here this morning, you, you are controlled by a habit. You are paralyzed by a habit. You can't seem to stop doing that. Call it whatever. Is it pornography? Is it eating? Is it alcohol? Grab your label and think about your life. Think about the the insecurity that's been in your life since you were a little child and you're scared of people and you've just always been scared of people and and you don't want to risk sticking out there and and it's an an exorbitant fear of actually venturing out in certain spaces and and that's paralyzing you. Can you get in touch with that for a moment? This is is about you. I, I can't help you in this category. This is about you. And I got my issues. When I go to do 2024, what if, what if God wants to release you from that? Hallelujah. What if He wants to start a new day where you walk in that category and you dance in that category and you dress yourself? And you take responsibility for things and you begin to live a different life. What if God wants to do that? One word. One word from him. Things change. Let me get the band to come back up here. And here's what I want us to do. Please don't be in a hurry. I know it's 1130. But this is passing go. You have no idea how much this pains me to think how many people pass go here on a Sunday morning and they don't collect anything you needed that bazooka because what you're about to face this week you need something from God to blow that thing up with or to resist it so I know you can check the box and say hey Hey, I went to church today. Okay. All right. The little phrase is, you pass, go, and you do what? Collect 200. right, that's the phrase. You pass, go, and you collect 200. Please do not just attend church today. Be here and collect something from God. And in a a moment, I'm going to do something really, some of you are going to think is really weird, but... Paralyzed people getting up and walking, that's pretty weird. You know who brought the paralyzed people into this moment? Not the paralyzed guy. He needed his wife sitting next to him to nudge him. And say, dude, you need to go get prayer this morning he needed a friend in this room who's walking with somebody who's under the control of some invisible power to come over to them and say hey did you hear that one word man one word Jesus could change that what are you doing sitting here paralyzed people don't get up and walk by themselves they gotta be brought before Jesus This is some of you guys. You're, you're in the throes of problems in your life. You're in the throes of problems in your household. Somebody's habit is controlling them. Difficulties in marriages, etc. Because the people we walk with, all of us, are paralyzed by invisible forces. Remember, I told you there's more to life than meets the eye. But what if 2024 could be different? What if what could happen this morning begin something very different in your life? All right, so as the band sings this song, I want you to be thinking about your issues, whatever they are, and the thought that one word, really, one word from him, and things change. It's not how we do this. If you want to sing, you can, but you stay seated, and you listen carefully as the band presents this song. If you want to sing with them, you are welcome to sing with them, but receive something from this song before we pray for you.
1: Creation knows the voice That's spoken to the voice the breath that brought the dust to life and sang the stars to form the darkness fears your voice that drove it back before
0: to Jesus if you will he was going to collect 200 for the coming days but I I think we're in danger of not collecting of just hearing about things and so sometimes when we ask you to respond in a moment like this it's because you just need to do more than hear everything I just said you need to stir up some faith and actually believe that if I could just get near that Jesus one word from him And my thing that's paralyzing me would change. So whether this is weird to you or not, I'm pretty sure it was weird to interrupt that meeting that Jesus was having. This was not a paralytic meeting. This is a teaching meeting that got interrupted by a man's need. So I want to ask you to come forward today and meet with God. I want to ask you to come with whatever's paralyzing you, whatever label you've been wearing, Whatever thing comes to mind and has been coming to mind as we've talked about this, I want to ask you to come. And we're going to pray and ask God for one word from Him. So go ahead. Go ahead. Don't look at me any longer. Go ahead and just start coming. Just ponder the thought. something that's convinced you and everybody around you it can't be solved that's the story these guys bring in the paralytic with them they were convinced nothing can change that they've tried everything but there was this one place that they could go what could he do but we just read this god is god there is no other but me i create light and darkness well-being and calamity i am in every moment job i'm in every moment with you man god is in your moments god didn't become god to that paralytic when he touched them in that moment god was god over his life before but there was a moment in which that paralysis was going to end And ask the, the prayer team or just if you've got somebody up here that, that you just want to bring faith with them because somebody brought these guys to Jesus come, come bring them to Jesus as well just come up here just get alongside of them don't counsel them it's not a counseling moment Jesus didn't explain biology to the paralytic he just showed up in a powerful way so maybe there's somebody up here you're walking with and you know who's in a moment of life, just bring some faith with you. That's all these friends did. They brought faith with them. If we just get this person around Jesus, he could just say one word and things would change. God, that could happen this morning. So I'm gonna let the band keep singing. I just want you to just receive from God. Lord, there are some things that you do, Lord, in our midst that they're just full of mystery. Lord, we don't claim to understand everything about how you move. But Lord, you have invited us to recognize something unique about you. The throne of the universe that you invite us to come to make our appeals, to seek you for help and grace in our times of need because you've got the right to exercise power. Lord, you, you can for every situation that's here today that's, that's been paralyzing controlling and limiting keeping people from experiencing something different in this life lord some of them since they were kids all the way into adulthood some of these things lord maybe just in the last year have shown up and there's lives in the grip of something lord we're interested in your authority meeting the paralysis standing in front of us today god these people, we love them, Lord. As family members and friends, God, we have stood paralyzed by things. And God, every one of us who can remember when there was something in my life that wouldn't move, it wouldn't yield, it wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. But Lord, I got things in my rearview mirror that no longer do that to me because you have authority over those things. So, Father, right now we pray every person who's come to seek a touch from you lord they have come near to you to receive one word from you lord just say it lord just one word from you lord things change with one word from you oh god Thank you for keeping it simple for those of us who don't get the infiniteness of who you are. Lord, I don't know that anybody could explain on this moment. How did that man get up and walk? What exactly took place in his body that just moments ago he he couldn't stand, but now he can rise and pick up his pallet and walk and go into a new life? Lord, there are folks gathered here this morning coming to seek you and their word isn't exactly paralysis. Maybe it's personality disorder. Maybe it's something that's got a medical terminology hanging off of it. Maybe it's horrible things that happened in their lives that if we had front row seats for those things, we would simply be in tears about how horrible their past was their experiences were, their disappointments were, their hurts were. But God, thank you that you have a new word for them, your word for them. Lord, thank you that you're not interested in anybody living with a leash on them attached to the word abuse or trauma. That we would cry right along with them about what they've been through. Lord one word from you in all of its mystery Lord how does somebody who's lived a life under the control of something suddenly live a new life I don't know God you do but Lord this morning these are lives looking to live a new life Lord these are lives who came forward to say I want to be able to rise take up my palate and go home I want to return to my life and do things I've never been able to do before. I want to go released and be free and experience the life, God, that you have created for me. God, I thank you that it just takes one word from you to start that in motion. So Lord, as we venture out into 2024, God, these guys have made a pit stop here at the end of January to say, Lord, would you you say one word to that one thing in my life that's been too strong for me? God, I'm going home in the power of your one word to see a new day dawn for your glory, oh God, for your glory. That's why these things exist, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen I bless you guys.